1: This week, we're speaking with director Zeke Zelker. He's the man behind Billboard, a new indie film focusing on a small business owner willing to get creative to help his father's radio station survive. Zeke's got some really cool lessons to share about perseverance, capitalism, and much more. Hollywood accidentally kicked off the Me Too movement thanks to the open secret named Harvey Weinstein. stars pounce, and for two good reasons. The culture where... Men can sexually intimidate women doesn't end at Tinseltown's borders. And the more stars spoke out, the better the odds that another Weinstein would never gain power. Turns out Hollywood cared only about select abusers, though. Consider the lack of outrage over Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. He's been credibly accused of sexual assault by not one, but two women. Have any stars marched to drum him out of office? We're still waiting. More recently, former Vice President Joe Biden has been hit with a new wave of creepy touching stories. Now, to be fair, it's a far, far cry from anything that Harvey Weinstein did or other predators that have been caught in recent months. But still, darn creepy, darn inappropriate. Yet, where's the outcry from Hollywood? Oh yeah, Joe Biden is a major Democratic player and could in theory square off against Trump in 2020. So it's time to either stay very, very silent or protect Biden's name if you can. Just ask Roseanne Arquette, Alyssa Milano, and Whoopi Goldberg Each star ran defense for Biden in their own curious ways. Of course, without our hopelessly corrupt media raising a single eyebrow about the hypocrisy. What gives? Why aren't we seeing Kavanaugh-sized marches and outcries from Hollywood? It's politics, and what a shame. You know, Hollywood helped start a really necessary movement in our culture following Weinstein's fall from grace. But now, it looks like just another part of the industry's partisan machinery stopping and starting depending on the letter before an alleged attacker's name. Just sad.
0: This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.
1: You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast. The right take on entertainment. Here's the hit tweet of the week. Joss Whedon makes a welcome return to the hit cast. The talented director, I will always love his Avengers movie, is as nasty as possible on Twitter sometimes. And, of course, that also convinces him to stay off of Twitter for a spell. It's what happened, I think it was about last year or so, when he mocked some cancer-stricken teens just to own the GOP. Well, he's back getting political on Twitter, and we couldn't be happier. More voices, not less, as Andrew Breitbart famously said and I love it when liberals really reveal their true colors. For context, here's Joss commenting on how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez refused to listen when outgoing Representative Paul Ryan gave her some generous advice. Interesting photo choices, like AOC, wasn't paying attention to Ryan because she's a self-involved teen, and not because he's a useless monster who understands nothing about public service. Just remember... Anyone who tells you the Hollywood hate is all about President Trump, they're lying. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. He still sleeps with the nightlight on. My hit tip of the week is 1922. Actor Thomas Jane stars in the Stephen King adaptation that got so little press during its 2017 release. I was really surprised by that. He stars as a turn-of-the-century farmer fighting with his wife about the future of their farm and their family. Jane's character does a bad, bad thing, to quote Chris Isaac, and boy, does he live to regret it. 1922 is technically a horror film for sure, but it's not about gore and violence and high body counts. It's more somber in a way. It's more about texture and consequences and humanity. But it's Jane's performance that really stands out to me. Now, I've been watching this guy for years, maybe decades on screen. I didn't recognize him. I had to check IMDb to find out who this actor is. He looked familiar, and Jane's name did pop through my mind, but... I wasn't sure it was him. Now, he's not wearing any makeup or anything outrageous that would disguise him. He's just deep in character. So deep, he looks different. He sounds different, too, but the visual, it was really stunning about his performance. It's amazing, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't get more attention. And his performance alone is enough reason to recommend this movie. But otherwise, it's really different and smart and well-planned and just odd. It gets under your skin, and that's kind of what you want from a horror movie. 1922 is a Netflix original, so naturally, that's where you can see it right now. I'm Patrick Karelchi.
0: And I'm Adriana Cortez. And we're the hosts of Red Pilled America, a new storytelling podcast.
1: Red Pilled America is not another talk show covering the day's news. We are all about telling stories. Stories Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. Stories the media mocks. Stories about everyday Americans that the elites ignore. You can think of Red Pilled America as audio documentaries, and we promise only one thing the truth.
0: Visit the iHeartRadio app right now to listen to Red Pilled America.
1: Now let's get to this week's HitCast interview. I have a weakness for interviewing indie filmmakers. They're not rich, they're rarely famous, and they have to fight for every career inch they get. And that's assuming their projects ever get off the ground. Many movie ideas just never see the light of a theater. That's one reason why I wanted to chat with Zeke Zelker. He's a warm-hearted fellow who refused to give up on his big screen idea. His movie Billboard took 10 years to make, but the story spoke to him so deeply he just couldn't let it go. I like that. Billboard follows an entrepreneur struggling to take over his late father's radio station. To save that station and his father's legacy, he gets a bit creative with a billboard-sitting contest where four people have to compete to win a mobile home and $960,000. Billboard's playing in select Pennsylvania theaters right now, expanding to L.A. soon, and then going to even more theaters down the road. You can go to billboardmovie.com for all the details on the screenings. For now, here's my chat with director Zeke Selker. Well, Zeke, your new film, one of the many things that jumps out at me about Billboard is the -the behind-the-scenes story, the 10-year struggle to make this actually Alive and well and in theaters. It's, you know, independent films are never easy to make. Sometimes it takes years, a decade is certainly a long time. But, you know, I don't want to, I'm sure it's a very exaggerated tale, but kind of boil it down for us. What What is the tenacity that you required or you had that made it possible? And what did you learn along the way? Because it's, I'm sure there's many, many a lesson to be gleaned from this.
2: Oh, absolutely, uh, Christian. Uh, the, inter- the interesting thing is, too, is even Hollywood films take a long time to put together. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so like just filmmaking as a whole. The interesting thing is, is a lot of people feel that uh, films come out a lot quicker than they do. Uh, generally, people are toiling on these things for years uh, prior to the to them, but you- because of the press cycles and everything else, people just aren't aware of it. Uh, but some of the things that we had to overcome to make Billboard. Um, oh, gosh, where do I start? <laughs> uh, I mean, the most recent one, as we got ready to distribute the film, our distributor passed away. Oh, um, Mark Ehrman, who was um, the president of Paladin before that Lionsgate and also Think Film, and his entire company is built around him. And so like, literally, we were left without a distributor. And so, you know, we've had to figure out what to do about that. So we're booking theaters ourselves and it's a matter of like – because you know, we couldn't stop. We got too – too far in it to stop at this point. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, you, so we just had to keep going. And um, – but there's just been a lot of different, you know, challenges and obstacles uh, along the way. Uh, but also, too, is how I'm telling the story is very different, and so there's always been a bit of a learning curve for people to understand how I'm telling the story. Uh, but obviously, funding's always a challenge. Uh, we've been doing this thing off of cash flow instead of, like, you know, getting a huge equity investment, um, which also took a little bit of time as well. Um, so. That's kind of like a couple of things, but sure. They're, they're, I'm sure there's more as we as we chat.
1: <laughs> well, how do you kind of prepare yourself emotionally for that? Like, how do you rally when there is a, a hiccup, when there is a delay, when there is a stalling effort? Because that happens time and time again with a project of any kind of project, really. What, how do you kind of kind of gird yourself for, to, to know this is the long haul? This is the way it's got to be. And I just need to kind of buckle down and make sure it happens.
2: Uh, well, I kind of think about it like being back in the boxing ring. Uh, mm-hmm. That I'm going to get hit, and I'm going to I'm going to stagger a little bit, but I still have to keep getting up. You know, that's the biggest thing. It's a matter of um, just realizing that all these things are just you know obstacles in the road to success, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of staying positive and having positive people around you. Uh, and those people that see the vision and as we're all working towards that vision, because the hardest thing is, is when you have adversity, you're leading other people and for them to realize that you will overcome it together as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you actually have to be even more prepared mentally and also physically, quite honestly, to keep overcoming um, and that's a big thing. It's it's a matter of realizing that um, people aren't just taskmasters and they're, it's a matter of like having them involved with the creative process.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so they understand when something goes awry that collectively you have to fix it or or, or overcome it.
1: Billboard is based partially on a true story. And I want to maybe you can share a little bit about that particular incident and what are the key elements? Is it just the thrust of what happened that made it into your movie or what what's sort of the connective tissue between the two?
2: Sure. So it's loosely based on a competition that took place in, uh, um, 82. I remember this from a kid and it always stuck with me because I became more interested in the, what was going on behind the scenes than it was a spectacle itself. Uh, like imagine four people live, well, at that time it was three people living on a billboard and the crazy things that they'd have to do and overcome and then the weather changing and everything else. Um, so the the project is loosely based on that idea, uh, but I don't really know or remember much about the actual contest itself. Uh, but we focused more so on the radio station. In the film, because I wanted to be about you know the man behind the spectacle, almost like you know in the Wizard of Oz, who Oz would be, Mm -hmm. and 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 those sorts of things, and a matter of the perseverance that somebody has to endure when they're thrust into a situation that they weren't prepared for, and what do you do in preparation for that? But then also, too, at the same time, taking you know a note from what's going on in our society today is how the press plays a part in one's success or failure. Uh, we all have a lot of power in our hands now, thanks to social media. And so the biggest thing is, is a matter of realizing what the story was originally and the mayhem that ensued around it, and then bringing it into today, and there's a different type of mayhem.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the, this strikes me like kind of the old-school radio contest that we've gotten to know through the years. And it feels like a, a, a piece of Americana in a way. It's, it's curious. Oh, absolutely. It's odd. Uh, talk about—and and I don't know how— Many times they're done these days. I think with the rise of podcasting, I think the economic situation in the country, the radio stations have been either shuttering or getting smaller or going to sort of nationally syndicated hosts. Uh, talk about that part of the movie because I, I, I'm fascinated by it. And I think there's, there's, there's so much to be told just from that perspective.
2: Oh, absolutely. So the biggest uh, compliment that I've been getting is people that are on radio that see this thing tell me how authentic it is. Oh, okay. And so so like I, I cannot be more proud of that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is the reason that there's not all these crazy contests anymore is basically because of uh, litigation. Uh, people doing stupid things to win stuff and getting themselves hurt and then, of course, then suing the radio station. So that's the big reason why there's not contests anymore mm-hmm. um, is because of how litigious our society has become. But the interesting thing about it is a matter of like, you know, how I uh, told the story and how I'm trying to um, even in the marketplace of how we're, we're positioning it is a matter of like bringing the fun back to something that is traditional and things that people recall and remember. You know, uh, we're, is some of the things that we're doing in theaters is like, you know, we'll find out how many people are in the theater at a given showing. And we're going to run around, and hand out free stuff based off of the content. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of like you're playing back to the to cinema in the 1940s when you go to a go to a theater and you get something out of it. Um, and so it's a matter of like it's like, and also too is with with this contest, it's a matter of getting giving somebody uh, the opportunity to get ahead and actually fulfill their own dreams by giving them an opportunity. Um, because a lot of people, I feel, in today's day and age, just don't aren't given different opportunities anymore. They kind of see one thing and just that's all they, 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 they see. And it's a matter of like, just kind of like, you know, doing something different.
1: Yeah. So that tunnel vision seems like the right path, but if you're more open to different opportunities and something else could come along the way, that's just as good, if not better.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's a matter of, you know, you know keeping eyes wide open.
1: Mm -hmm. One
2: of the things you know, I, so many of us are closed in you know so
1: yeah yeah we, capturing what it means to be a small business person isn't really <laughs> easy necessarily on screen I mean have there have been like the pursuit of happiness with will Smith is is more sort of larger than life and your film has a, a kind of a more a more narrow focus talk about getting that across on the screen because I think it it's so fascinating and so important and yet at the same time it doesn't always kind of strike us as cinematic in a way it seems like it's more Minutia involved and then sort of the, the the broad strokes we're used to
2: yeah I, I appreciate that comment uh i was at a at a startup last week in philadelphia and the owner who saw the saw uh billboard in philadelphia at, at a sneak preview literally said to one of her one of her employees it's like it's like the best horror film for entrepreneurs <laughs> 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 because people don't realize the the risk that entrepreneurs take uh, and so we really we really try to show that off. Um, and also, too, is like how things affect one mm-hmm. um, that's ill prepared for business for that matter. And and so it's a matter of, you know, it it was a dance and, you know, to make it cinematic, to make it visual, to realize, you know, the challenges that one faces. Like it's interesting is like imagine if if you took the 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 the. Story of Rocky, right? Being in a ring, you know, boxing and so forth, preparing yourself, you're taking a beating. But then taking that same sort of idea, but applying it to business. You know, a lot of business owners take beatings often. You know, they're oftentimes worried about payroll. They're worried about marketing. They're worried about like how they're positioning their product in the marketplace. You know, so it's literally the same sort of idea as as Rocky, for 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 lack of a better of an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, how you, it applies to business, and so there is a lot of cinematic chances you have of isolation, of piling on, of success, of failure, how tides change, you know, and so forth. So, we I, it just took. It's interesting because it took time away – I had to take time away from the creation of it to see it. Uh, and so, a lot of my my uh, people that work for me feel that it's become somewhat autobiographical, but it is what it is. <laughs> Interesting.
1: You know, I was reading up on one of your co-stars in the film, Eric Roberts, and if you yeah. looked at his IMDb page recently, there are roughly a thousand movies he's got on his schedule. I was kind of curious if oh, you absolutely. maybe share some uh, anecdotes about him on the set. Obviously, Oscar-nominated I mean, direct uh, Oscar-nominated actor, uh, been yeah. memorable in Sony performances. Uh, what was your experience like with him on the on the set?
2: Um, Eric is a uh, lack of a better term, a rock star. Mm-hmm. Um, he works really, really hard. Um, and he is on the entire time he's on set. I've never seen an actor like him. It was interesting because the role that he played in billboard is so much different than what Leah Fitzpatrick and, and Heather Medrazzo and John play that where they're like independent, um, radio station DJs that are kind of like, they kind of meander and they're, and they're, you know, they're not as aggressive and so forth where Eric plays a very aggressive role, like corporate radio and so forth. And it's interesting of, of, his charisma, what he brought to the table. And, uh, but it was just a, a great to work for or great to work with. I should say not for, Mm. but it was, it was, it was, um, it was intense, really (laughs) intense. And, but, but, but also too, it was awesome because he appreciated that I was prepared. He appreciated what I want, that I actually knew what I wanted. Um, and, um, so it was, it was awesome to work with him. It was really awesome to work with him.
1: Gotcha. You're from Pennsylvania. You've got strong roots there and the film was shot in Pennsylvania. Talk about, that, that sort of the pride in, in the state and in, in that region, and also how does that manifest itself in the work you do, not even just Billboard, but other projects you've been attached to?
2: Yeah, so um, I um, you know, was raised in Allentown, Pennsylvania. My family came here in 1884. Uh, they were butchers. They immigrated from France. Um, they were butchers in Philadelphia and couldn't find work, so they came here and started a, a catering company uh, and to sell more food, uh, they started an amusement park. Uh, that amusement park is called Dorney Park. It still exists in Allentown. Uh, so my family's been here since the late 1800s. And so I have a lot of pride for the area. And then in the 80s, you know, this guy in the Joel created this song called Allentown, yeah, which right. literally made my hometown seem like a garbage pit, which is not the case whatsoever. And so after grad school, I decided to move home to make a difference, to make films in my hometown where I could create an economic benefit, Um, and also show off the, the area to the world. And so I made it my mission over 20 years ago and I've been, I've been doing it ever since. And so every single one of my films is pretty much, you know, shot in Pennsylvania, not always set there, but they're at least shot here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and it's, it's been, it's been great and a challenge at the same time, because one is, um, it's been great because I can do kind of what I want. Um, and I have a lot of, a lot of creative, uh, flexibility, but then the challenge though is, is then when it comes to dealing with people in the industry, it becomes a little bit more challenging because we have to bring everybody into town to be able to shoot. Um, you know, but I, I love shooting here. Um, it's beautiful. You'll, you'll see it in the film, uh, of, of how beautiful and it, it, there's a lot of texture here as well. And there's so much history, uh, here. So that's kind of like why I, I, I set the film here.
1: Talk a little bit about the jobs or at least the impact a, a film has on the community. You think, okay, maybe local craftsmen, uh, you know, maybe local hotels get booked up. What are some of the maybe – kind of drill down a little bit deeper because I'm fascinated sure. by the impact that a, a single project can have. On a community. I think it could be rather dramatic at times and obviously there's the whole debate about tax cuts and, and you know luring the different productions of town. But what maybe kind of for those who aren't well versed in this topic, what can you share about it that maybe people don't think about automatically?
2: Uh, Sure. So um, my undergrad was in economics and finance, so I can actually talk (laughs) about this very intelligently. So it's interesting is because like let's say you have a million dollar film, the budget is a million dollars. There's actually a multiplier that uh, economists use. It's a a 2.5 multiplier uh, that sends uh, waves throughout the community or uh, throughout the um, economy community economically, basically meaning that for let's say you have a, you have extras and your extras are in town, like they're in downtown, downtown that day and you know, they have a two hour you know break, they're gonna go and spend money you know, in that area. And so that 2.5, uh, multiplier is literally is like, what's the overall economic impact for your community upon shooting in that area. That's one reason why I see all these tax credits, uh, throughout the country is because, you know, economists have come to realize that that's the, that's the first one is literally talking, uh, you know, purely economics. The second thing that influences the, uh, economics of it as well is the, the feel good aspect and the, and the, um, tourism aspect of it that you know promoters of the state can then promote you're know, like oh this film was shot here or this film was shot there and so there's a sense of pride that exists then as well because just isn't the actual budget that is is spent in that area there's then there's promotion because the film was shot there, there it, it's a very long tail in terms of the economic benefit and so that's one. that's the big reason why everybody's trying to lure films to to their states like mm-hmm. You know, in fact, it's interesting because in Pennsylvania, I had a challenge securing tax credits because I produce off of off of my company's cash flow, so I didn't I didn't qualify because I couldn't qualify for you know a six hundred thousand dollar budget because you know I do it off of cash flow over the course of time where they want all that money in the bank, you know, and then I could have qualified. So like that, the model doesn't work for me, unfortunately.
1: Hmm, interesting.
2: So unfortunately, it, with 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 that being said, a lot of the tax credits are. Are built more so for big studio films, and the little guys are are pretty much left in the dust, unfortunately.
1: That's a shame. You know, in a way, it's great time for independent filmmakers because the technology has kind of reduced the barrier. You can make an indie film look amazing, where maybe that wasn't possible during the sixties or seventies. But at the same time, I feel like things get dwarfed by the the Dumbos, the the Avengers of the world. Are you are you optimistic as a, as an indie filmmaker that that things are getting better, getting worse, or is there for every step forward, there's a couple steps back?
2: Um, definitely you're constantly, you know, doing the box step and a waltz box step. I can tell you that, (laughs) um, you know, so if anybody doesn't know what that means, it's like basically one to the right, you know, one back, you know, it's like a matter of like, you're constantly going in, in some sort of, of circular motion. Uh, but the challenge is, is because, um, there is the, ability to make things look great there's been such an influx of film and the challenge that we have is so many filmmakers feel that you know they they make a film you know they need to get into Sundance or South by Southwest and they look at it as a lottery system
1: mm-hmm.
2: I don't look at it that way I look at it, I look at the long tail and I look at uh, creating a body of work uh, but there's a lot of gatekeepers in my industry an enormous enormous amount of gatekeepers and like for instance right now my gatekeepers are theater owners and theater bookers and we have a quality film on our hands we have a, We have a film that people will be able to relate to. We have a film that, you know, that we already know have people have seen time and time again. They followed the thing around to different locations around the state where we're showing it, which is kind of crazy. Well, you know, we have Billboard groupies. Um, (laughs) But um, but it just is is interesting as a matter of there's always going to be gatekeepers. And unfortunately, a lot of the big theater chains want to go with the Hollywood stuff that constantly is the same thing. You know they're not taking many risks on storytelling. Like for instance, Us that was just released last week is probably the most um, so far this year is the most successful. Um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Most successful Small, um, smaller budgeted? No, or? no, no, not smaller budgeted. No, the most successful um, uh, non <laughs> non sequel okay. non something based on the book ever. Like I, I'm trying to think of the word original. Um, Oh, my God. Original. There it is. Thank you. Oh, my gosh.
1: You know what? It's, wow. so, it's so rare you forgot what the word is. That's why.
2: <laughs> I know. No kidding. No kidding. So that, that's a challenge that we have is that is that if people went out and supported more original content, uh, there would be more of it made. Uh, and unfortunately, Hollywood wants to mitigate risks. So that's one reason why they do all these repeats and, and remakes and, and sequels and you know things off of books and so forth. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm telling you though, I don't know how much the audience is going to be challenged by doing that though.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a vicious cycle. People always complain, Oh, I'm sick of these remakes. And they line up for every remake possible. So it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. As a filmmaker, how would you kind of describe your own learning curve as you've kind of grown along the years? What's, what's different about your approach today than maybe you were doing 10, 15 years ago?
2: Um, I take my time now instead of rushing. Um, before I would have anxiety like, oh my gosh, I gotta get this thing made. Oh my gosh, I have to get through production. Oh my gosh, I gotta get through post. Oh my gosh, I gotta get that to theaters. Now I've realized that in my in my uh, in my age, um, things should take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, not as long as Billboard took this though, because I lost some opportunities because of that. Uh, but it's a matter of like letting things sit and simmer, uh, because as it's just like a great recipe. The longer and slower you cook it, the kind of like more interesting and more nuanced it becomes. And it's very much, you know, like how I've learned over the course of years. And also, too, as I realized that cast really does matter. You know, you do need to have people that people recognize or people think that are appealing Mm -hmm. um, in your films instead of, you know, your brother and sister, you know. And and so that's the other thing is like, you know, kind of every project I I work on, we get more and more like name talent in it, Um, you know, but also it's just a matter of. Taking time and surrounding yourself with some great people. Uh, That's the other thing, too, was like before I thought I could do everything myself, and now I realize I I can't at all.
1: Superman Um, syndrome. um, Yeah, I I try to do a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to do as much as I can, but but at the same time, you have to rely on on experts.
1: I went to art school many years ago, and one of the things I noticed about it was I graduated and I thought, I don't know how to make a career out of this. I could draw naked people based on all those life drawings, but I didn't know what to do next. And I think a lot of artists have that dilemma where they have the aesthetic ability, but they, don't have, they can't sort of put it together in, in a successful package. Uh, how important has it been for your career to have that economic background, to kind of have the, the building blocks that you can kind of use along with your artistic eye?
2: It's it's interesting because we we uh, work with a lot of different types of artists. Uh, my company does, and we actually work with fine artists as well. Uh, but but that's absolutely right. Is a matter of I firmly believe that more people shouldn't necessarily go to film school. Uh, they should go to business school and and um, learn coding mm-hmm. because so much of my business now has become tech oriented. Uh, that you actually have to understand how apps and, and you know uh, websites and mobile activity works and so we can build up better story worlds and things. But, you know, I love the idea of like as an artist it's a craft, right? You you're you are probably a better artist now than you were when you're fifteen years old. You know, and the only way that you became better was by practicing your craft. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing with filmmakers. It's a matter of like so many people are going to film school and, and they are not practicing their craft. I, I'm a very big uh, I love I, I, I don't get me wrong, I'm not saying do not go to school. I, I love college and everything else. I love to learn and you know, my daughters are in college now. Uh, But it's just a matter of filmmaking is a craft. And that's a big thing that people have to understand. You have to practice your craft to get better at it. You're going to school and learning theory and going to school and making one film a semester is not enough. You could literally work on films, you know, and learn more by working on films than you can in in a classroom. Um, And so it's it's interesting as a matter of. People have to realize that, you know, again, filmmaking is a craft and you have to work it. You have to, you know, and also it's a body of work as well. And that just like any other other any other artists, like one, you know, one band's albums don't sound the same every album. You know, they learn things from the first one and they change in the second one or they're getting bored by the third one and they completely change the sound in the fourth one. You know, that's the same sort of approach that that filmmakers should take as well.
1: Yeah, interesting. And even though fans may miss the old style I think that the, if they're true fans of the artist I'll kind of go along with that journey uh, before we let you go Zeke 10 year journey is over the film's hitting theaters now what's do you have a next project is it sort of kind of taking a deep collective breath and before you begin or what, what can we expect from you next
2: no I'm literally developing my next project already <laughs> <laughs>
1: can you tease yeah, it a bit yeah, or I, it
2: I, still too, yeah, too yeah, soon absolutely. No, no 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 absolutely um, it is a film called Love Hereafter and it is about a child advocate attorney living in Washington, D.C., who falls in love with a ballerina um, from the ballet that I wrote called uh, Love Decide, and how they break down the barriers of their past to trust one another to fall in love. So it's sounds- my version of a love story, in other words.
1: I like it. <laughs> it sounds good. Well, thank you again, yeah. Zeke, for joining the hit cast. Of course, Zeke's new film is Billboard. It's in select theaters now. For more theater dates, you can visit the show notes page at hollywoodintoto.com or, of course, go to billboardmovie.com. Zeke, I really appreciate you keeping the entrepreneurial spirit alive both on and off screen, and I wish you all the best.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
1: Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out hollywoodintoto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at Hollywoodintoto and we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week.
0: This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question.